Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast and every... Well, <laughs> I forgot the thing. <laughs> How many times have I said that? <laughs> uh, oh, shit, my window's open too. What a great start. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> should leave this in the episode. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay, cut. <laughs> Wait, what what do I say? Now I have a brain fart. Something about the art of video games. I, I don't my brain really doesn't remember. I got you. Okay, go. <laughs> I'm probably gonna leave this in. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Glitch Q. We are a gaming podcast that focuses on the art of video games and indie games. Uh I'm Chris. And I'm Christian. And welcome back, y'all. Um, I know it's kind of weird having the other guy do the intro. It, it does feel weird. Um, it does rolls reverse here. I feel like but, I should be talking. Uh, right. And now I'm sitting here like, oh, I'm just waiting for him to jump in. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Well, rolls reverse. That was fun. Okay. So welcome back, everybody. Sorry. Brain fart there. Probably going to cut down that a little bit. But I do want to leave that in because that was stupid. But anyway, we're going to be talking to you guys this week about indie games. Once again, I mean, indie games are a pretty big part of our channel here, right? We talk about them a lot because there is such a wide collection of indie games spanning every single type of genre out there. And really, we started asking the question, like, what is an indie game anymore? The definition of indie has definitely changed over the years, and the vibe of an indie game has definitely changed. With the evolution of these different game makers out there, like Unity becoming so accessible and then not accessible now, thanks Unity, and then they're trying to backtrack and whatever. But then <laughs> we have other game engines out there like Godot or Unreal being free and available for everyone. Like Indie games are starting to have that AAA polish. So we wanted to really ask the question of what is an indie game anymore? Well, the definition of an indie game is just a game made by a small group of people and by that don't have a major developer behind them, right? A AAA developer. So it could be a team of up to somewhere around 20 people, even like Hades. But because it's not a huge publisher like EA or Sony or, or you know, working on this project, it's still classified as indie which is kind of a weird idea nowadays, right? Uh, because back in the day when we thought about indie, they were games that were usually passed around. They were flash games. They were small browser games. They were things like that. They weren't really mainstream titles. They didn't have an initial release on the console. It might have happened later, but for the first part, like when it first got released, it was never out there for the masses. It wasn't in advertisements. It wasn't spoken about by these big you know, publish companies or the magazines or the, you know, the blog posts and all that, like, it wasn't really in the mainstream media. But now we're seeing this weird, like evolution of indie games where it is now mainstream, and it is in people's faces, and they can have a full console release with the backing of those consoles without actually being a part of them. So they still get classified as indie? Kind of right. It it's it's kind of a weird market because it's a big umbrella term that covers everything. 
is whenever you look at sites like itch.io itch.io has a lot going on right but <laughs> those are indie titles and there's a lot of weird games out there there's a lot of small games that we're more used to when we think about indie but then you look at other titles like you know celeste celeste is a huge game or hollow knight look at the backing between hollow knight like that is an indie game or even minecraft was an indie game it no longer is because now it's owned by microsoft so it now is not part of that genre anymore or that classification. So games can go back and forth between indie and AAA, and it's kind of the like the waters are getting murky, right? The like the the lines are starting to blur between what is actually indie and what is AAA anymore. So we wanted to really kind of like just have a basic conversation about this and see what we what we can kind of come up with of what actually makes an indie title an indie title. So I know that you were you were and are and you are a resident you know expert on indie games. Uh, why don't you chat about them a little? Like, what is your overall experience? I know that we've talked about this quite a bit on the show, but for people, maybe this is a first episode, and that's a little weird. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> Welcome everybody. Uh, maybe you can dive in. And what what would you say as being an avid player of indie games and someone that seeks them out? What what makes a game indie to you? As I'm looking at itch.io right now, um, mm-hmm. and it's confusing website, and it, it this they is need a be better old. website. They so need- I'm so used to the comfort of Steam, and mm-hmm. like every time I go to, is it itch.io or itch.io? I always hear people say either or, but I'm just gonna say itch because it's easy. But uh, I, I always just say itch.io. It's weird because it's like oh add to collection i'm like okay so this is like a little wish list or i can make a list of cool games awesome but then it's like is it it just feels unintuitive but at the same time i kind of like it because it just fits like the scene the space Mm -hmm. right like it's very like (laughs) it feels like it's up and coming even though it's been like this but um Mm -hmm. for me the definition of like what people will consider indie games nowadays, I think like a lot of other people, my early experience of it was with braid, mm, yeah. you know, very early two thousands. Um, then right after that, you know, cave story was another big one. And I think cave story was really the one that made me realize like, Oh wow. Like this is awesome. I think the big three for me were braid, uh, cave story and fez. I feel like those mm. three really just kind of changed the whole idea of indie. Yeah, for me, I I'm kind of there with you. I think it would be Braid, Hotline Miami, and uh, it might be Fez or Binding of Isaac was the other one that I was like or Super Meat Boy. Yeah, yeah, like that. God, that era of indie was just like insane. But you know. When you look at indie games back then, even though they were around way longer than that, it was still like, you know, a small team or a solo dev. There weren't really any publishers taking chances on it. They, you know, they were self-published. And I, like I said in past episode, I've been kind of looking into wanting to explore more of like very early indie games, which, you know, if you go pre- y2k it's 
you have to start looking for independent developers rather than just saying indie games because you won't find anything, right? Like, mm -hmm. I've scrubbed different databases on websites for games pre-2000, and it's hard. It's something that's, you know, independent developer that developed games is actually really hard to look into is <laughs> something I'm learning. And well, I feel like those like the early games would get bought up really quickly. I mean, look at Tetris, right? Tetris was made by one man, but it got bought up really quickly. So like it almost classifies as an indie game, but it's, then it got like it got distributed by like mainstream developers. Right. But it wasn't. Yeah. Right. It's, it's kind of weird. It's weird because like I'm I'm avoiding like shareware stuff because that obviously was like the big indie scene back then. Mm -hmm. Um, but post shareware, it you know you had your flash games that was on the rise and they're they're considered indie games. Um, you know some of them actually became actual like games, but finding independently developed games on a console at the time was very rare because mm. for the most part you needed a publisher in order to fund you know the the discs all of that kind of stuff the marketing so that there really was a lot just of overhead yeah yeah there was a lot of overhead that probably most people couldn't afford and that's why I was looking through the PC databases on some websites. And yeah, there were a lot of games out there. It's just you have to scrub through it. And then you have to come to the realization, like, uh, even though it's a solo dev, they have, they're published by, I don't know, Sierra. Like, would you consider that indie? Because it's Sierra, right? They were mm -hmm. very big at the time. But, and that's kind of where I got the idea for this episode is, I saw someone complaining on Twitter about how, you know, developers on itch.io for the most part, you know, it's their solo devs or very small teams. They are self publishing and, you know, they consider themselves indie, which, you know, makes sense. That's how it started. And they like, look at like, say games published by Annapurna or even Devolver where they say, like, should we consider this indie anymore? Because it's got a very high budget for their mm -hmm. games. And I I feel like with Annapurna, it's a little different, because I think that they actually really pump a lot of money into their stuff to fine-tune it, whereas I feel like Devolver kind of just gives some funds mm -hmm. and doesn't have much say into the game. I feel like no. from what anybody I've, can apply to be a part of Devolver. You just have to submit your game. And if they say yes, then now you're, you know, published by them. Yeah. So I feel like with Devolver, it's you're still kind of kept to where you can do your own thing. But from what I understand with Annapurna, it's like it. It's not really like as there's a little less creative control. You, right. It's more like a. If there was like a triple A, you know, indie scene or it, it it's weird because we don't really have a, a term for this middle ground because it can't be like a B game because there's that's already something. And mm -hmm. a lot of these indie titles are very 
well made very well done where it's like yeah they may not have the budget of like a triple a or a double a game but they're not completely indie to the point where there's no backing and right it it's kind of hard to decide because you look back uh in the early days right like 80s 90s and if they weren't published, it was just shareware or it was the demo scene or um, there's one other thing too that I'm thinking of, but I forgot. But it's interesting how just within the span of like 15 years or so, like that scene just changed. And I think once people realize like, oh, there can be some very high quality indie titles like we should publish them and i mean you see like sony right they and xbox i mean this is the other thing when i was doing research you know a lot of games were made on the i think it's the x and a engine which mm -hmm. is uh the xbox kind of centered engine for the indie titles which i think nowadays people can actually make games on that engine where there's a fork to it which is i that's actually something i was looking into uh recently mm. when i was looking into wanting to make a game i was like oh what about x and a like i feel like xbox school. was one of the first uh like people to include indie on their like marketplace they I they were um because of the whole xbox arcade and then you know I felt like the Xbox arcade was like for the indie games that were a little, you know, more accessible to people. And then there was like the Xbox indie games, which was like that little separate. And it was like, some of those games were rough. I'll put it that way. I remember looking at some of those screens and I'm like, this is a Minecraft ripoff. Oh, this yeah. is, this is like barely used asset flip, like dungeon crawler kind of game. Like, or another stickman fighting game. Yeah. Dude. So many of those. So many of those. <laughs> There's a new one out and it looks freaking awesome. I'm so surprised that that's still a thing. Like, Dude, it, it I'll have blows to me away. <laughs> it's crazy. It but uh, it, yeah, Xbox, I think, had a really strong hand in that. And I think. You know, that was a time like when Crassel, Castle Crashers came out, right? And then, mm -hmm. like, you know, there was Alien Hominid, which was a Flash game. But, you know, when it went on the Xbox, it it changed. Things got different. And I know that there was some games that were indie, and then they went to Xbox, and they didn't do too well. And the problem with that is publishing, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a good marketing team, it it's going to be tough. And I was reading an article going into uh, Darwinia, which is a usually considered one of the early, like modern indie games. Uh, I think it came out like very early 2000s. And while it did okay on the PC when it first came out, when they ported it to Xbox, it did really well for like, I think it was the first six weeks and then it just fell off. Mm. And that was something that when I was digging through some other developers uh, articles, 
they mentioned that like, oh, we saw like great initial, you know, influx of money and then it just died, mm-hmm. which, you know, probably still is true today. Like that happens. But nowadays you have the ease of the internet, you have the ease of social media to kind of keep yourself relevant. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of games nowadays do stuff to stay relevant and trendy if you're on social media and you see it. So right. there's that aspect of it. So I think nowadays, aside from like, you know, the learning of being a game dev and all that, getting your game out there to the world is so much easier now because I follow a lot of developers on Twitter and like other social media sites too, mm-hmm. but mostly there. And it's crazy. Like oh, it's I X just, now. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never forget, you know, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love going like, it's great. Cause the algorithm is just skewed to that for me on that one account. And mm. it's cool because you see people just posting like, their updates, everything. And I'm like, oh, I love this. Like it it makes me want to make a game. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, it makes me want to buy that game. Which back in the day you didn't really have that kind of option to see games like so easily. Right. Like you would sometimes see a video on their store page and even then it wouldn't be enough. Well and, and a lot of these big indie games back in the day, especially like on the original Xbox Marketplace, they would get front page for a while, mm-hmm. right? But then every week, I feel like Xbox knows they have to keep it fresh, keep it new. So those games got then taken off a of front page and then just put alphabetical order, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of people, I mean, I do it because I, I like to look at all the games that are available. Won't browse for games in alphabetical order. They're going to look for what's either on front page easily accessible or what's in the media currently right now. And like you said, back back then, I mean, what we had MySpace <laughs> and that was about it, really. Like it, it wasn't as easy to share and market and keep your things relevant in people's faces as it is nowadays. So like you said, yeah, marketing was really difficult. Like you need you needed an entire team available 24 seven to make that happen. And a lot of these guys didn't do that. A lot of this stuff was just passion projects even, right? It's just somebody in their home that just really wanted to make a game, put it out there, got lucky on the front page, and then it died out fairly quickly, right? Because the very next week, a new game gets put up there as their poster boy for indie games, right? Like, so it doesn't surprise me that there was such a fast drop-off for these early indie games. Whereas now you have stuff like, I mean, Hollow Knight is a cult classic, to this day right like kids are still playing hollow knight like i had a kid come into my class a couple days ago and he looked like he he was upset and he's never really upset he's usually cheerful and i'm like what's going on man like you know you okay and his response made me laugh he's like man i'm trying to beat hollow knight and i'm stuck on the final boss and i'm having such a hard time and it's so cool to think that like i mean he's nine right like this is still relevant to today and it wouldn't be without like it's because of the ease of access with steam and the ease of people sharing ideas and things like through instagram and through x now previously twitter right like and youtube keeping things relevant right like 
because of how many different media platforms we have and how easily accessible they are to the masses, it's definitely keeping indie games on the forefront longer. And like I said, it's making people more people or more people want to purchase these games because they still feel relevant. They still feel new, even though they've been out for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's it's a weird it's a different kind of market. And I do feel bad. Like, I, I'm curious, like, for instance, like Darwinia, right? Like if that game came out today, how long do you think it would be like on people's minds? Right. Like, I, I feel like that kind of game or it, 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 given the popularity that it had and the fact that people still adore it, I, I feel like it would be one of the big indie titles that are still talked about today. But because the you know, the social media wasn't there or the marketing wasn't there originally, like it's just not happening. Right. So it's I'm curious to see what would happen, like if we had re-releases of things or remarketing tools for these guys. Right. Like posting more on Instagram about it or like putting it back in the mainstream of things or going on, um, you know, like TikTok and stuff like that and talking about Ar- Darwinia, like how many would they get a random search? Right. Like I'd be very curious. There's a. So recently there was a game that this is also considered one of the older uh, indie titles, right? From I think 2006, uh, Tory Bash. And I don't know. I feel like I remember this game back in the day, but basically it was a online multiplayer uh, fighting game. But you could design, like, you can make your own moves, and, you know, your character just looked like a bunch of balls, kind of. And it was very, like, customizable. And I felt like that game, like, it was, you know, decent at the time, kind of big. But it just died off. And then I think it was a few months ago? it it blew up again they they did some stuff to it and it just got big out of nowhere again it's got a battle pass it has all this stuff and it like came back from the dead and it's interesting because there are a lot of really cool games out there but from the past that kind of got lost in time and it's sad like i you know, been digging through some of these older titles and yeah, some of them are pretty rough looking, but other ones, they look like they have really interesting stories. And actually I kind of want to cover a lot of them, you know? So indie games, it's just, it's mind blowing how much they've changed over the years, right? Like the, the lines are definitely blurring there, even more so with the graphical quality of these games. Like AAA games are starting to use more retro style graphics, which I think is really funny because that used to be synonymous of indie games. And indie games now have access to some really high end graphics, making it almost impossible to tell the difference between these two titles. Like the lines are definitely blurred there 100% and that really just kind of begs the question of what is it what's the future of indie games what's going to be happening next with them or what's the natural progression here right and I'm almost curious of where are AAA games going to be in the future and 
what do indie games look like in 10 years, right? And it, it begs the question of like, who's going to be the ones to take the risks? With the expansion of the graphical quality of AAA games, because regardless of AAA games going for retro looks sometimes or kind of like interesting, they, they take little risks when it comes to the look of their games. But when it comes to like the quest lines or the content or things like that, they're very, I mean, they're less likely to take a full on risk on that part because they need to make money, right? And games can be very expensive to make. And with the enhancement of graphics and all that stuff, and now we're starting to get things like mocap involved to get realistic graphics because people just want better and better and better. And that's what we come to expect of AAA titles. The price tag to create these games is just rising higher and higher and higher. So what does that mean for the general content? Like, it, because the price tag is now raising up more and more and more, I feel like it. we're going to see a lot more rinse and repeat games. I mean, we already kind of see that now with AAA. Every once in a while, they'll take a big risk and throw something out there and then see if it's a hit. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, right? But for the most part, they don't really want to gamble with their money that way. And that's where indie games step in. So indie games are going to be able, I feel like they're going to be able to give us that polish that we're looking for from a AAA game, but then still have those risks involved, whether it's genre bending or it's story driven or right, it's like just kind of weird content that you wouldn't normally see in a video game or extremely personal stories that you wouldn't see in a AAA title, right? Like, I think that's the future of indie here, of it just growing to the point where now they are the only ones taking risks. And then whenever we see AAA games coming out, it's more of a, this is a model that has worked for us in the past. We've spent millions of dollars on this. So we have to use the same model because we know that we made money there, right? So there's definitely going to be a lot less risk involved. And I feel like we're starting to see that now, right? Uh, there's a couple games out there that are started to kind of push it a little bit. And I would still consider them like big titles. Like, I mean, look at Final Fantasy, right? Final Fantasy went through a very big change in the way that it delivers its combat, it, the way the gameplay is. And luckily, I mean, 16 is great, right? It's a fantastic game. It was so much fun, but and it paid off for them. But that's a gamble that most studios aren't going to be able to afford. Like Square Enix can afford that. They're fine. <laughs> I think they're doing okay. And they're going to continue doing okay, no matter what. But some of these other guys that are still considered AAA, they have to keep up. Right. They have to be able to still afford those high end graphics, afford these engines like software is not cheap. Software is insanely expensive nowadays. I mean, looking at something like, for instance, like this isn't game design related, but I was looking at CAD software for work because I'm trying to figure out some stuff I can help teach the kids, get them used to using CAD and, you know, for their futures and all that things. Right. But like we were looking at Fusion 360. Fusion 360 is $1,800 a year for one person to use. It's not even a multi-purpose license, right? It's $1,800 a year for one, right? And then if you look at things like ZBrush, oh my gosh, ZBrush is, I think it's around the $3,000 mark a year for 
that. And ZBrush is a huge tool used by a lot of AAA developers to get some amazing graphics out there. The thing, the graphics that we've come to expect. So the barrier of entry is becoming much more vast. Uh, and to ask somebody off, like fresh out of school, to have experience in these things is damn near impossible. So that cost is now being eaten by these development companies, right? And that's just the 3D engine. That's not even the 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 dev kit for actually developing a game for the consoles because that's a whole nother cost on top of that. And then whenever it comes to things that are gonna be on multiple platforms, now you have to buy multiple dev kits and then all like you're basically making the same game multiple times for a PC release, a Xbox release, a PlayStation release, and a Nintendo release, right? Like you have to make your game four separate times to fit the constraints that that dev kit currently has. And each one of those dev kits costs money. And most of them are actually on a license base and it's usually for a year or a three year cost. Um, some software allows you to buy things outright, but most software nowadays is going to yearly plans, which is, or monthly plans. So the the price is astronomical, honestly. So the amount of risks that are going to be taken are abysmal in the future if the prices continue to raise like this. And th that's where indie is going to step in because indie developers are not afraid to use those free programs. Sure, it might not have all the polish that people come to expect, but that's okay, right? It's accessible. It's easy to use. Well, quote unquote, easy to use, right? And some of that stuff's really hard. Blender's freaking hard to use. Uh, but like it, it's it's accessible, right? And then that allows them to tell their story. They don't have a big boardroom that's telling them what kind of story that they need to make. They can express their own personal stories. And that's where we're going to get some, like if you want a game that really tugs at your heartstrings, we're going to be leaning towards indie titles. If you want one that just has mad polish and it's a, like a style that you want to play and you know it, it's true and true. Like if you're looking for another first person shooter to just have fun with your friends, you're probably going to lean towards the AAA because that's an easy model that they can replicate over and over again. The only thing they have to do is up the graphics. That's really it. If they're able to keep up with current modern day graphics, but keep that content the same, then they have a good formula that's probably going to make them money. And we're going to see a lot more of that where it's a lot of the same game, but just a little prettier, right? At, at least that's what I feel like the future of this is going to be. I, I don't know. What, how do you feel about that? I mean, especially when you look back at how experimental like the PlayStation 1 was or the 2, I mm. feel like once we hit like... I always forget the number gen, but like the 360 PS3 era, like bigger companies like AAA, AA, they kind of stopped experimenting mm -hmm. and making weird stuff. I mean, look back at Sony, right? Like they had Pepsi Man, they had, you know, Vib Ribbon, like they had just Guitaru Man, Paul um, uh, was like awesome. It, they had all of these cool things that, you know, they or weren't like afraid with experiment. I mean, like Katamari was Patapon, an experiment yeah. too. Yeah. And Patapon's getting a new game. It's just being made independently. Like the same person 
but uh, it's like a spiritual successor kind of thing, which, you know, that's what we're starting to see nowadays. Like, um, Eardin Chronicles, right? It's Suikoden people, but, you know, independently they're making it because obviously Konami controls that IP. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these developers from back in the day, since they can't make a sequel or a new game in the franchise that they had worked on because it's tied up in big publishers or big companies. They just make a spiritual successor. And honestly, usually they're pretty good, you know, except for mighty number nine, but you know, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) That's when I always forget, but it's, I think that's something that also really bugs me about a lot of AAA gaming is that it's just not, it doesn't stand out enough, you know, like, yeah, a lot of Sony first party games nowadays, like, you know, they're cinematic, they're, they tell a good story, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't surprise me as much as say, a game like an indie title that has a good story, right? Like Night in the Woods or, mm-hmm. you know, um, Bastion, stuff like that. And it's a bummer because while I would love to see these big studios with a lot of money make something very odd and different, you don't see it that much. And I mean, I love humanity. Like that game is awesome. And I think it's maybe one of the more experimental first party games that kind mm-hmm. of flew under the radar this year. Uh, but the game's awesome. It, it, it's such a fun little puzzle game. And I think when it comes to like a lot of first party experiments, it's usually puzzle games because they can kind of get away with doing something odd. But, you know, any chance I get, I can talk about humanity. I will. It, I I love that game. I wish I could take it on the go with me everywhere because it it's like quick, fun little maps. But uh, do I think we'll see a return to big companies making odd games? Maybe not. I mean, I think Nintendo might be the closest to it, but Nintendo just stays being Nintendo, and even them. Well, they, they but they're still like, just rinsing and repeating their characters, right? I mean, there's a the new Peach game that's coming out, which is cool, but it is, it's something that we're familiar GB with. Where's Robo? Right? Like, bring those back. That'd be cool. Like, think back to the GameCube era where they just went crazy, right? They had Cubivore, they had Chibi Robo, they had, you know, well, it's Sega, but they had Billy Hatcher. Like, there was so many, like, odd characters so many odd titles like that generation of games had so many weird things hell look at the dreamcast it had seaman <laughs> you know I'm like, talking about weird games yeah <laughs> you know it's you don't see those kind of weird things and granted probably a lot of these games wouldn't work today um not just because they might be problematic but it's like they just are kind of antiquated but it's nice seeing something different and that's why I go to indie games because I know that someone's probably going to create something because they're not worried about some big publishing house, like pulling all their money. Right. Like, yeah, 
you go on itch.io and <laughs> there's so much stuff <laughs> on it that you can itch.io. probably find something right like if i want a post-apocalyptic furry simulator like romance simulator and it's a, a deck building roguelike i'm pretty sure i can find it <laughs> you know like it's it's insane what's out there and a part of me thinks like you know i wanted to start cataloging like a lot of indie titles and stuff throughout the years but when it comes to more recent where you know everyone has access to a game engine pretty easily now it'd be hard to like be like okay let's cover this game let's cover this game you look at itch.io and it's like look how many thousands of games came out just in 2020 like yeah it's very hard to catalog games um in more recent times like you can go and look through people's channels that cover games released on older consoles because you know they ended and nothing really new is made for them mm-hmm. so it's easy but when it comes to a lot of these pc indie titles it's like half of them that you find probably aren't complete so you'd have to dig through that and then the other half it's just like would you just stick to ones that gained a following would you try to find the hidden gems so then you stick out on social media for like an hour like it's yeah do you want to be that guy yeah (laughs) interesting where we're at and like i truly love like the time we're in right now with indie titles especially because it's i think we're seeing the broadest um like landscape of ideas there's so mm-hmm. many interesting ideas that are just being merged and thrown together that it just feels good. And, you know, big, big companies are, are buying studios like that. You know, you look at Kena Bridge of Spirits for PlayStation, like great little game, small studio that got bought up. Like, I think that's what we're going to see next are these big companies buying smaller studios. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've you know, seen that a lot. I mean, Stray, Kina, like that's been happening a lot more <laughs> lately. Because Stray I is an indie game. Stray. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was started by just a couple people, right? And it, it got bought up. And they they obviously helped them polish it and put it out and actually get it made. But yeah, that that was that's another one of those examples of an indie game that gets picked up, but it's still an indie game, right? So it's kind of like bridging the gap or it's both at the same time it's it's kind of weird to think about it's hard to be like how concerned eight of you know stardew fame where it's one person same with like you know toby fox of undertale like it's hard Mm -hmm. to be where it's just one person and they're their own publisher and they make it big you know it's it's not impossible to do but you don't the stars definitely need to align. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't happen for everything, right? Like And and it needs a fishing mechanic. If it doesn't have a fishing mechanic, then it's not a real indie game. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. I'm just kidding. It just feels well, like the Stardew one everything. was bullshit back in the day. I will <laughs> yeah, say that much. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> but you know, you look at some of these successful ones and 
I found the story on, you know, the creators of Mist very interesting because they were an indie studio all the way back, back in the day. You know, you go back to... I feel like Mist was such a big game back in the day, right? Like, it was started off independent and then it got picked up. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that's why you started seeing books being made about it. You saw multiple sequels. Like, it's interesting, you know, how of a phenomenon Mist was. But, you know, you can go back even older with the game Another World, right? Like, that Mm -hmm. game was treated as, like, a masterpiece. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, people still think it's a masterpiece. Like, it's... It got a re-release on the phones, too. Yeah, I I feel like I need to play that game because so many people have said like how amazing it is. Same with Flashback, mm, which yeah. I know that's getting uh I think a remake. I don't think it's a remaster, but you know those games were independently made too, and it's fascinating when you go back in the day where a good chunk of games were independently made. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fascinating how nowadays like the ease of game engines really make it possible for anybody to really pick it up i mean hell i'm learning it right now and it's you know it's not difficult i mean if i had all day i could spend learning it i probably would get through this a lot faster but it's easy enough to understand it's not like i'm learning basic or assembly and you know hating my life (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i'm excited you know and it's every year i feel like it just gets better and better with indie games like this year alone it's like i feel like this year i can't keep up yeah with new titles like i i'm at the point right now where it's like like i just beat umbrella and i really enjoyed it but now i'm like oh god which one do i want to play next like there's Mm -hmm. now that spooky season's coming up i'm like oh i should pick some horror titles like and there's some good ones that just came out or are coming out, so I'm excited. But still, I'm just like, oh my god, it's it's a great time to be in the scene. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this little conversation here into indie games. I mean, indie games are just such a pivotal part of our channel. Figured we might as well have just a full episode dedicated to just indie in general because they are the risk takers. They are the ones that are pushing the genre still to this day, despite how, you know, AAA games like to stay the same. I mean, you can't blame them, right? Costs a lot of money to make these games and it's just getting more and more expensive as it goes along. But anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games and all that good stuff. But until then, bye for now.